Now, yesterday I did a whole sermon on embracing the worth of a woman, and today I'm going to do a whole thing about embracing womanhood. But I will recap a little bit about the worth of a woman because you cannot embrace womanhood without understanding why God made women. And the reason why God made women is because He knows what He's doing. Nothing is a mistake in God's eyes. Amen? I used to think God made such a big mistake to make me a woman because I went through so many challenges as a woman. And if you want to hear the story, you can go to yesterday's uh, recording and listen to it. But I also felt God made a mistake. He made me Malaysian. You know why? Because I admired everything English. You know, I believe that you must drink a cup of tea this way and not any other way. And I even felt like, God, you should have made me the Queen of England's daughter. That would have been the best thing. So, you know, we all think different things about God. But God never makes a mistake. And I want to tell you this beautiful truth. I believe that what I'm sharing is not just cardinal to all womanhood, but it's cardinal to all of us at this stage of world history. All the gender issues that have arisen has arisen because we have not understand, understood who we are. When we reject God, reject ourselves as well because He that created us. And that is why you and I must realize when God made humankind, He had a he had a big vested interest in them. And because of that, if we want to understand who we are, we have to go back and find out who made us and why, how did he make us. Amen? So I want to read, first of all, Genesis chapter 1. And it's a verse that I believe should become so central to every human being. In fact, to every human being, Christian or non-Christian, if today you're not a believer, I want you to absorb this truth that you don't look at evolution and say, you know what, we're just a product of evolution, a product of chance. Hey, if you're a product of chance, then everything is going to go chaotic. Because chance is left to chance. We are not a product of chance. We are a product of a divine wisdom, a divine creation, a divine... Uh, what I call intentionality in the mind of God. We are part of God's mind when He created us. So let's read Genesis 1, verse 27 to verse 28. And you just follow me in your Bibles or on the screen. So God created mankind in His own image. And the image of God, He created them. Both male and female, He created them. Now, let's just stop there. What does it mean that in the image of God, He created mankind? This is what it means. When God created everything on earth, including the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, the fish, and all these cute furry animals that we love so much, including the panda. You know, like I went to once, I went to this panda sanctuary, in, I think, I can't remember where, in China. And you know, they were so cute. All a panda's job was created just to be cute. They do nothing but eat bamboo and then fall asleep and then roll about. That's all they were, cute. They were created to be cute. But even though they're created to be cute, they're not created in the image of God. And we don't realize, hey, being created in the image of God is what Psalm 8 says, we are created a little lower than God Himself. In other words, every human being, whether you're a believer or non-believer, whether you believe it or you don't believe it, whatever race you are, whether you are a beggar on the street or a prince on the throne, whether you're male or female, we are created in the image of God. And I don't hear a shout, Amen. 
Unless you and I absorb this truth and internalize it, we will always deal with this whole issue of identity and worth. We must internalize it more and more so that when anyone destroys us or divides us or makes, humiliates us, you will rise up within you and say, I'm made in the image of God. That means I'm made to reflect the glory of God. Only humankind can reflect the glory of God, which is why it's so powerful when the young adults prayed into what does it mean to be created in the image of God. And I love what they said, because God is kind. Kindness exists inside me. No, inside me, I don't want to be devilish. I want to be kind because God is peace. Peace besides within me, even though there's war on the outside, something inside me craves for peace. And to be created in the image of God is both male and female, because in this verse, not only is men created in the image of God, or women created in the image of God, but both men and women. And why does God want to say, in the image of God, he created male and female? Now, what it means is this. Male con contain certain attributes of God that will reflect God's glory. For instance, their courage, their bravery, they are willing to kill the lion and the bear. Well, we be men are go and kill that, we don't need that one. But they reflect that glorious power of God. Now, what about women? How did God carry His glory and His image in women? The word for God, in compassionate, in the Hebrew word, is called rakam, all right? In the same way, this word rakam is the womb of a woman. In other words, if you want to understand compassion, if you want to understand that heart of, um, of God, where he says in Isaiah, can a mother forget her suckling child? Yet will I not forget you? Your mother can forget a suckling child. No mother can forget a suckling child. No mother can. But God is more than, it's like that. And so he uses a mother as a metaphor because this part of God's nature will now be carried by women. In other words, girls, remember the boys, boys are just sleeping right now. So I'm just talking to you. You know what, girls? It means like that. We must rise up to realize we have certain attributes that carry the glory of God that if we don't allow that to rise up, the men are poorer. And we also need to respect the fact that they have to rise up in the attributes that men alone can carry. And together, wow, we are able to carry the image of God. And that is why men and women were given the mandate, you, are, you need to know you're of equal value, but you must realize you're different so that you can carry the mandate to subdue the earth, not subdue one another. Now, I'm just going to go on. Because one of the big problems is that while I may know I'm created in the image of God, what actually, how do you measure a woman's worth? Now, it's a long journey to share with you why this journey is very important. And honestly, if you really want to hear my whole story, you have to go to yesterday's sermon. Okay, just pray for me. I'm losing my voice and I'm losing my energy today. What it means is this. For the longest of time, I, I try to understand within myself what actually, how do you measure a woman's worth? Does she need to be better than the men? Because it sounds like that. Whatever the men can do, we can also do. Does it mean that the woman, if she, is not, she must be a CEO of some great company in those days, it's just doctors, my dime, the very boring one, just doctors, accountants, and that kind of thing. But nowadays it's CEOs, all right, prime ministers. Does it mean that she must be that perfect wife? 
with a perfect family. But you know something? What is a perfect wife? What is a perfect marriage? What is a perfect children? Do you know something? All families have quarrels. Every family had a quarrel. In fact, I used to think maybe people don't have quarrel, only I have quarrel there. Then I saw this family, you know, so sad, right? On the surface, they look like perfect husband and wife. They never quarreled. They look like so lovey-dovey. But suddenly, the wife walked out and she's never returned until today. Because hidden inside her were deep resentments in that relationship. She was so suppressed that she couldn't express herself at all. So she didn't know what to do. She just left the marriage. And her husband didn't know why and neither did we. So what does it mean to have a perfect wife? perfect marriage. What about children? Do we have to have perfect children? Do you know this pressure to have perfect children is what kills mothering? Because there's no such thing as perfect children. If we are not perfect, how can the children be perfect? My mother's aim was to try and produce these wonderful children, would always be wonderful towards her, rise to this uh, fantastic, don't know what, and always, always do the right things. Wow, I cannot tahan, man. I super fought my mother, man. So I felt like I'm the super delinquent in the family, you know. My mother used to say. But really inside me, I was fighting for how do you measure a woman's worth? How do you measure? Must I be the most successful doctor? As you heard yesterday, even as a medical student, I suffered from anorexia nervosa because I couldn't be that even though I was a top-performing student, I was so scared. Maybe other students would be better than me. Maybe tomorrow I would fail. I used to go to exams uh, and convince, and I was sincere, I was not bluffing. I used to convince all my friends, I think I'm going to fail this exam, I'm going to fail this exam. They had no pity on me. No pity at all. You know why? Because I would score so high. So they had no pity on me. Ah, yeah, they should trust me, right? But I was fighting with equal worth, self-worth. Until the Lord spoke this very deeply into me. This is the verse, look at it, and I want you to embrace it. 1 Peter 1, verse 16 to 20, 18 to 20. For you know that it was not... Maybe you can all read it together. Shall we all read this together? Do you know something? I discovered the central screen is not the best screen for slides. It's a side screen. Because they cannot see. Never mind. They will still read. Sorry, that was just impromptu being a pastor. Okay. All right. Come, let's read this together. One, two, three. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you will redeem from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ. Everybody say, precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for our sakes. What does it mean? What does the word redemption mean? You see, everything went wrong after the fall. In the beginning, God created the world and said it was good. And when he created men and women, he says it was very good. This is it. But chapter 3 happened. After the fall, everything went wrong. But God, in his perfect, gracious, merciful love, was determined that mankind would find back their worth. How was he going to tell a human being how worthy he is? How worthy he is? He had to send his one and only son. Now, let's be honest. If I were going to drown in the river tomorrow, you know, I did go whitewater rafting, and when I fell inside the river, 
I think I was hoping my husband would quickly jump in to save me. Uh, no, he's a very good husband, man, he, but he's just not such a strong swimmer. La. Praise God, the strong swimmers went in to jump in. Uh. But you know, let's imagine now, I fell into the river and anybody, may, some may say, Ayo, she's not worthy. Ayo, she's a nobody, she's not Mother Teresa. Ayo, she's not even a princess, uh, now they love Princess Kate, right? She's not Princess Kate. Ayo, she's nobody. La. She's not Angela Merkel. Ayo, can drown, la, can drown. La. Something like that. But God sent his son. And God said this to me, if you had been the only person in this world, I would have sent my son to rescue you, to buy back your worth and reinstate you. All the silver and gold in the world, that's what this verse means, cannot establish the worth of who you are. In other words, the Lord is saying, if you could put all the gold and all the silver in the world ever, that ever existed, and say this is the price of your worth, it would still be worthless because number one, silver and gold changes and fluctuates in price, which means your worth today is very high, tomorrow very low, today very high, tomorrow very low. That is not stable. Secondly, it's perishable. It's perishable. What if I don't have silver and don't have enough gold? So God says, before me, every human being is so valuable that you are worthy, worthy of the Son of God the only begotten Son of God, the unblemished Son of God, to come from heaven to earth to save our soul, and not just to save our soul from hell, but to buy back our worth. And all God of you who know that should say, Amen, Amen. Come on, girls. Amen, Amen, Amen. Do you know, girls, I want to tell you this. Your worth is immeasurable. Your worth cannot be measured whether you're married or not married, whether you have children or don't have children, whether your children behave or don't behave. Your worth is not me measured whether you're going to be the prime minister, some CEO, whether you have earned more than your husband or husband earned more than you. Your worth is only measured by the blood of Jesus Christ. And all the women should shout, Amen. Come on, say it loudly. Amen. Do you know it took me 10 years to internalize this truth? That is what is wrong with many believers. You don't take the truth and internalize it. It's just in this ear, out that ear. Ladies, I'm going to say this to you. If you do that, you'll be forever beset with worthless, wondering what is your worth. I said this, so the Lord taught me. Do you know something? If I say you have worth, no one can say you don't have worth. Amen? If God is for you, says you are worthy, no one can say you're unworthy. That is what that verse means. And all God's people shout, Amen. Amen. If God says, I am worthy, I am worthy. Because there were many times I didn't feel it. I felt condemned. The problem with women is that when we don't feel self-worth, we feel self-condemned. And I suffered a lot from self-condemnation. Self-condemnation does two things for women. Number one, we become so timid, so inward-looking, so, so, like so like a useless person. Or we become loud, like me. We become loud and fight and fight and fight. But it's so ugly. In fact, it's really ugly. Because my dream of being a godly woman is to be very quiet. Never talk one. Because all the godly women, long, long ago, they never talk one, no? They never talk one. They're so sweet. If you ask them, how are you? I'm fine. If you ask, do you want to eat? Yes. And they never talk much, right? But I talk so much. So I must be very ungodly, right? But God says, do not measure yourself by that. And so I want to share. In this, that is why 
we need to encompass or rather embrace our womanhood. Yes, we have equal worth, but it's different. We are different from the men, distinctly different. Different composition. Now, that means we men don't try to be a man. You have female hormones. Everybody say, women, women, and men don't say it, please. <laughs> All the women say, I have female hormones. And that makes me a woman. Amen? Men have male hormones, and that makes them a male. You don't want to change your composition. Your composition is your asset. Amen? Different composition. That's the genius of God. The genius of the end. It's not either male or female, but male and female. He cannot, he didn't make well, only male, only female, because that would be impossible to bring out the huge potential of mankind. He needed men and women living in a powerful harmony of their differences. The genius is in the differences. Different composition, different roles. And when I talk about different roles, I don't mean that the women, wow, you mean to say I cannot be a leader man? So I, I just put it out there. Can a woman be a senior pastor of SIBKL? I don't know. I just don't want to be one. That's all. Okay, in case you wonder. I just don't want to be one. For God forbid, I hate being one. Okay, so different roles. Can a woman be a prime minister? Of course. But we are not talking about the roles in society. In these different roles today, we are talking about the role between a man and a woman in the relationship of family and structures, which is why we're going to be talking about it. But with different roles come different responsibilities. Men have their responsibilities towards God. Women have their responsibilities towards God. I want to talk, therefore, of a very powerful word called suitable helper. Now, let me read this verse from Genesis chapter 2. How do you embrace your womanhood? Today, I'm going to spend a lot more time about embracing womanhood. Now, first thing you must do when you embrace your womanhood is to embrace your worth. You need to say, I am a woman of equal worth as a man. I do not have to fight to be a man because God counts me worthy. Amen? God counts me worthy. How do I know? How do I know I'm worthy? He sent His only begotten Son. It is said in Galatians chapter uh, 3 verse 26, He says, You're all sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus. All, whether slave or free, whether Jew or Gentile, whether male or female, all are children of God. Amen? So that's where I start by embracing my womanhood. I'm not inferior to the men, but I am different. So now we're going to ask ourselves, why did God make women differently? Turn with me now to Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to read this. And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make helper suitable for him. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And of course, eventually, he made the woman. Now, the reason why I want to bring this up is about the helpmate. Now, have you heard of the word helpmate, right? Uh, oh, this is a helpmate and all that. For the longest of time, in the days where the dinosaurs roamed the earth, churches used to have men preach the Mother's Day sermon. And I absolutely cannot take it because these men would go on the pulpit and proclaim Proverbs 31 and almost make you feel you're so inferior. I mean, this woman in Proverbs 31, uh, I super don't like one. Not my hero at all. She can do everything one. And then she wakes up in the middle of the night. Well, I want to sleep. I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night. And then she can spindle, la, do everything, la, anything, la, and, then, and she can do business as well. What kind of a woman? And then the men make us feel so small. 
And then another verse I super don't like one. Uh. The man love to preach it on Mother's Day one. Uh. Really one, really one. I no. Uh, they will say, you know, Proverbs 14. A wise woman builds a house. Women, you must build a house and with the, a foolish one tears it down. They describe all the tearing down. No? And I'm looking at him and say, hey, you guy, la guy, aren't you meant to lead the house? Aren't you meant to do something? But aren't you meant to da 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 da? So all the things I thought they should do. But you know what? God spoke to me. Women, if you want a tremendous person to build you, don't look to the man. Look to God. Amen? Because he knows how to speak to you in a, in a way only women can understand. So he said to me, no, the crux of this verse, Proverbs 14, verse 1, is not the woman must build a house. Look at the word before. Look at the description of the woman. Wise. A wise woman builds a house. You know what? The Lord said to me, the women are the wise ones. If I let the man build the house, gone case. You know how it is? You know, some, I don't know if you know this joke. Uh, you know, if you ask a man to do this, go ahead, go, go and do it today as you finish the office. You, you buy a pint of milk and please pick up our son, all right, on your way back. Uh, please pick up the son. It's on the way back from your office. You know what will happen? The man will come home with only the... You're lucky if he comes home with the milk. He'll come home with the milk and he forgot the son. <laughs> okay, not the men here. But this is what happens, right? And, and, and so there's so many things a woman can do that a man cannot, right? So what does it mean suitable helper? Definitely, it's not being a doormat. So this was happening in the Dark Ages. In the Dark Ages, the men made us feel we were just doormats. I, I used to go to this church. Uh, yeah, but better don't name the church. Though. All churches are very good, man. Let's not name them. But you know, in this church, women cannot talk, cannot speak, cannot do anything. And women must wear hats, uh, not hats, I don't know what you call those things over you, and uh, veils, right? And then not only that, women were told they were just doormats. But I simply cannot correlate the image of God with a doormat. So what does the word suitable helper mean? Ha, ah, that's why I went and studied everything. Here is it. The word suitable helper is the Hebrew word Abba Naget. The word Abba denotes strength. It is the same word Abba, used of God, when God says, I will, am, your, I am your helper. You, man, you do not trust in man, but in me. For the Lord your God is your helper. Now I'm going to ask you, is God strong? Is he weak? No. So how can a weaker person help a stronger person? So it's not about a weak person, a doormat, a person who has no worth, a person being just made to just do, you know, get just stepped upon. Because a woman, when God looked at man, he said to the man, the man, now look at that verse, huh? and God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, let me just give you an interpretation of the word alone. Alone doesn't mean it's not good like the man sit there on his own. No, in fact, that's also not good for the man to sit there on their own, which is why I'm going to tell all my pastors, their wives must sit next to them one. Because, wow, your wife is the one, yeah? To be that naged, that ever, the helper, drawing out the best out of you. But the word alone is actually about intrapersonal loneliness, which is why very often in, 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 in mankind, when a, man, when a wife dies, the men find it very, very difficult, which is why sometimes they simply go and get married, and then end up, don't know what, uh -huh. because they just cannot cope. 
with that kind of intrapersonal loneliness. They don't know how to connect with their inner being. But the word suitable helper also has the other word, naget. The word naget is very interesting. A powerful word and hard to, hard to unpackage. It says here, opposite to, <laughs> in front of, over and against, complimenting. Wow, what on earth is that? Uh? In front of, over and against, above, blah, 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 what on earth is that? Let me give it to you in simple terms. This is how it is very easy to understand this. When God said, it's not good for man to be alone, or for that matter, it's not good for society to only have men rising up or women rising up. They must come together to be suitable helpers, to be complementary helpers, not competing helpers. How then do they draw this out of each other? In other words, the Lord says, this is how it happens. When a man and a woman stands facing each other, they must know that they're of equal worth. It starts there first. If a man thinks the woman is inferior, the woman cannot compliment the man. If the woman thinks she is superior, she cannot compliment the man. But when they say we are of equal worth, equal standing, we have something to give to each other, then the woman, this is the role of the woman, calls out the man. So Mimi asked me, wow, what does it mean? I call out the man. Now. I'm going to try and explain. It calls out the man in the man, a role which God gave to women, not just in marriage, but in society. So how do you do that? I'm going to give you four areas that the woman can do this. First of all, she's relational. Secondly, she has something called feelings. And don't put that down, because feelings are an essential part of life. And it will call out something in a man. And because she's feeling, she's more sensitive to God and therefore spiritually more inclined, which is why there's sometimes more women than men, and very often there are more women than men in churches. She's also sacrificial. And that's why Mother's Day is all about her sacrifices. She's also beautiful. And I'll tell you why that calls out, changes the atmosphere, changes the world. And then she's sexual. Let's look at these five wonderful assets or treasures. Women, God has given to women. I would call them five distinctives of women. Normally, this section alone takes an entire one hour. But today, I'm going to just shrink it. The relational nature of women is extraordinary. Do you know something, women? How many women? You know, you agree with me. We can have five girls having tea. And we're talking to all five at one go. You no, know, we're talking to this one. Suddenly, we hear that. We answer that. We talk to that. We talk to that one. And we know everything that's happening. One. How many of the girls agree with that? Yeah, look at all the hands go up. You men, you don't know what we are talking about. The men, uh, I tell you, uh, if they're on the phone, uh, you cannot even talk to them. Uh, no. they, they don't hear you at all because they can only concentrate one thing at a time. But we women, uh, we can one. We are very relational. And not only that, we are very in touch with everything happening all at the same time. Which is why uh, we can iron clothes, watch TV, suddenly hear the phone ring, the baby cry. All of us can one. Really, man, that's how we are. Because a wired like that. Hey, come on, come on, come on. Wow, wow. The world is women. We're changing the world. Amen. Yeah, without us, what would y'all do? Y'all are so, you're so, so simple, uh, your mind. One thing only. You should watch Pastor Lindy. She can do so many things. Game on. Malam Pentecosta. Sales. Youth ministry. Wow. 
She loves changing the world. Relational. Amen? Come on, give all the girls a big clap. Amen? All the girls can do that. All the girls can do that. If you give them a chance, if you say, no, 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 then of course cannot. Then you have to do law, what to do. But in being relational, women are also the best builders. I want to encourage you women. You are the one that can relate your children to your husband. Because if you don't do that, the husband would find it very tough because, you know, men, they're different. Women, they're just gentle, kind and different. And also, I would say this to mother-in-laws. Do not compete with your sons for their wives. In fact, you're the best builders of marriages. Encourage your husband, uh, your son, to have a good relationship with the wife. Encourage your daughters to have a good relationship with your, uh, with your son-in-law. If you are soft, if you are like, needy and always wanting your children who are married to come home, you're not dealing with your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law. You're actually dealing with the whole issue of self-worth. Then you know what? I invite you to join my ladies' sales floor. I got 30 ladies' sales floor. It meets Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday one. Just come and join and let me build you up. Then you'll be fine. I'm a firm builder. I'm a firm believer of building ladies' groups. You know, uh, some churches say, don't build ladies' groups. Building a very troublesome one. I told my husband, if they don't build women's group, they will have a lot of trouble. <laughs> it's only when you build women's groups. You know why I built women's groups? I learned one thing. When the women, and incidentally in, in SIB, they said they gossip. No, our women don't gossip at all. They got no time. They are, they are memorizing verses. God made me the image. I'm memorizing. I'm all, uh, they're memorizing. That's why. And now, <laughs> Pastor Isaac, you better make sure you have women's groups. That's the strength of SIBKL. <laughs> because I'll tell you why. I've learned this thing. When a woman is strong, mature, confident who she is, actually, whatever happens to the men, whatever happens to the children, if the woman will rise to who she is, that marriage, that family can be restored. Amen? Amen. I better hurry. Number two. Women are emotional. Don't say, why you're all so emotional, man? everything is so cry. It is important that we are emotional. Yesterday, I shared how women want to be soldiers. But if women want to be soldiers, there's nothing wrong about being a soldier, except that when a woman has to kill, it's an instinct she is not naturally born with. So if she has to kill, something in her has to die, especially feelings. And if women, all the women, become insensitive to pain, to grotesque things, to ugly. You know, when I watch TV with my husband, uh, comes the murder scene, I take the blanket and cover myself one. Because I don't want to see all. Uh, maybe because I'm a woman. Uh, but it helps me to keep my sensitivity to grotesque killing, violence. It is good that women abhor violence. It will cause the men, remember? Eyeball to eyeball. It will cause the men to really begin to see, hey, these are violent things. I should be careful not to watch so much of it. So guys, if your wife says, hey, don't watch so much violent movies, please listen to them. Because this is an essential part of mankind. When we're all, you know, in the Bible says, don't boil the baby goat in the mother's milk. You know why? It is insensitivity. The very milk that feeds the baby goat is being used to boil him. How insensitive can you get? This is the nurturing nature of a mother. That must be allowed to flourish. Then men won't kill themselves so much. Right? I like that guy, he laughed. Because he saw the truth. 
And of course, because we're sensitive, we're more spiritual. And I, would say, I always tell my girls, because you're spiritual, you must pray. If you don't pray, forget it. Nobody's going to pray. Not your husband, not your children. We are the only real spiritual people on planet Earth. So even in other religions, the real behind-the-scenes guy in the spiritual context is really women. So that is why God really made women to be sensitive to Him. And not only that, we are sacrificial. And this part is just, we all know it. You know, I, I just admire my mother, even though her marriage was so difficult. She told me, I would never dream of divorce. I'm going to stay here and defend my marriage. Oh, I love that man. She's so sacred. Was it an easy marriage? No. It was a terribly difficult marriage. But she says, she was a true mother. You know, our grandmothers in those days, they're so sacrificial, right? They would stand there and they say, I'm going to defend my marriage. The moment I leave this home, all hell will break loose. People will just take over. And because of a sacrificial act, up to today, we're so intact. My parents' marriage was always intact, up to their dying day. And that's why sacrificial is a good part. However, you cannot be sacrificial and forget about being a woman. Now, let me share with you my own journey. When I was children were very, very young, I wanted to be this perfect mother. Every moment was so right, feed the right food, you know, so right until they won't eat solid food. Okay, never mind, another story. Uh, everything very perfect, one, I know. Somehow I doctor, somehow I, I, I'm not pastor, praise God, I wasn't a pastor then, just a woman, yeah. Uh, but I wanted to do everything right, right? Then, of course, the children needed to be fed, needed to be bathed. Wow, relentless cycle. Feed, bathe. You don't even have time to bathe yourself. Bathe, change clothes, change diapers, feed, uh, cry, put to bed, and it goes on. And I felt like, oh my gosh, this thing is really sacrificial, but dying. And I didn't enjoy it. Then the Lord spoke to me. And I like, had no, no time. Until then, I loved going to my hairdresser once a week. I loved going to facial, not because of anything, but just to pamper. La. No, women, how, women, women, how many of you like to be pampered? Okay, I'm not alone. But what happened was, God said to me, if you do not know how to enjoy who you are as a woman, you can never be a really good mother. Because you will just sacrifice, sacrifice, but in the end, you just feel you are a doormat. Nobody is going to appreciate you and if, because you cannot appreciate yourself. And so the Lord says, you must go and have your hair done. Uh, you must go and do your, do your facials. Take some time away just to be a woman. And as you do that, now when you serve your family, you will enjoy it. And all the women, if you agree with me, say, Amen. Amen. So please don't say, eh, you went to hairdresser, how much did it cost? Huh? Please let them go. You will have a better wife. A happy wife is a happy life. Because that's what embracing womanhood knows. It's not just sacrifice alone, it's womanhood. We must first be a woman before we are a mother or we are a, uh, uh, what is it, wife. Yeah. Next thing is about being beautiful. Do you know we women are so different from men? Do you know women, have you ever seen men organise conference? Very boring one. One table, one chair, they call it a conference. Wow, you come to our conference. Uh, flowers, la, tablecloth, all coloured matching. La, then here the serviette la, and the plates. Oh, you're so beautiful one. And then have you seen SMCC? Wow, it's beautiful. Have you seen their, 
their, their, what, the photo booth, the whole wall is filled with flowers. 100% is Tabby's work, not Michael's. Because men don't know one. Their conference is so boring. Do you know we change the world? We bring our perfume everywhere. And you know, women, it's important to put some perfume on because you don't want to be a ham choy. You know, you don't want to be a ham choy. When your husband comes back from work, he cannot see you. Uh, hair also never wash. Uh, face all dirty. Uh, and then smell still of the cooking. Uh, you know, the laksa, uh, the sambal. Uh. Ayo, he just met some women out there. Smuna has got perfume on. <laughs> Beauty is important, but I'm not asking you to be uh, what I call that so dressed like Miss World or some movie star. I'm not talking about that. You know that, right? But I do believe that women should not be ashamed to be beautiful. I think it's because something in our worth, you know, when you look at a woman and you think that why did she look like that? She's dealing with self worth. Be kind to that woman. Be kind to that woman. If her self-worth can be built up, her beauty will arise. So I believe in that. But I do also believe about dressing. This is not dressing for a woman to call out that man. What do we want to call out? We do not want to dress in... Sexuality is not sensuality, all right? A sensual woman arouses lust in a man. And when you arouse lust in a man, that man sinks to the lowest level of an animal. Do you know long, long ago, uh, Reinhard Bonke uh, had this guy come to him. Reinhard, I don't know what he was sharing, but this is a very true story shared about Reinhard Bonke. This guy came to him and says, Mr. Bonke, I'm a male. I'm a male. I have hormones. I'm a male. As if everything in him. And uh, Reinhard Bonke was very smart. Turned to him and says, You are male, but not an animal. In other words, we don't want to stir up the animal in the man. He's made in the image of God. Amen? So we do not want to dress to arouse that sensuality and that lust. But we want to dress in such an elegant way. We dress to command their admiration. Amen? And that is how it will rise up in love. I'm a big believer that it's, women must really be the ones that protect the husbands, which is why I tell every wife of my of my leaders that really you need to come alongside when your husbands pray for people you better make sure you are visible otherwise they think no no wife or no no the wife is the most protective thing for a man i tell you a story long long ago uh, there was this friend of ours the, the husband committed adultery and the wife was very broken and the man went into the kampong to to uh to he's from the kampong and to harvest and all that he had his knife uh, those kampong uh, type of big knives around him suddenly he discovered that the sheath of his knife was lost and the knife was cutting into his thigh and god spoke to him the, god said to the man you do not realize that when your wife is upset when you have an affair, your wife is the most powerful protection for you as a man. And all God's people say, all women say, Amen. Amen. When we confront adultery in a man, it is necessary. It is my firm belief that when God says, I'll make a helper suitable for him, the Ebenezer that can call out the man, it is in adultery that a woman can now not confront in an ugly man. How do you confront a man in a godly manner when he commits adultery? This whole topic on adultery, I spent another whole sermon on it during when I did with the girls. So I'm only going to try and do it in five minutes. 
How do you do it? Number one, the woman must be very, very... Now, I want to say this. When a man commits adultery, it is the greatest pain to a woman. I don't care if the woman is a film star, which is why you see this film star so broken, or the woman is the prime minister. But when the husband commits adultery, that woman is totally destroyed. Now, this is where, women, you need to really be spiritual. You need to build your self-worth so strong that it is because your self-worth is strong, because you know God is with you, that you will rise up at that moment and you speak gently to the husband in love. And you say to your husband, Darling, I love you. I'm not going to walk out of this marriage. But I'm going to tell you, I will stay with you and I will help you. But what you do is wrong. I will help you. I will forgive you. Now, forgiveness is tough, right? When you are the wounded party. Believe me, it was very tough for Hillary Clinton. But all the escapades of Bill Clinton was exposed. I don't know what this woman went through. But if I were her, I would have given up. But something must rise within us to say to the man, you, we can do it. I will help you do it. We will do this together. I have seen, when I've counseled a lot of marriages, I've told many women, which I would say to the men first, now listen to me women, usually, unless they're really rascals, rascals don't exist in this church, usually when a man is caught in adultery, he's very broken. Because every man, great, their greatest fear is not rats or cockroaches. Their greatest fear is failure and especially failure of their home and failure in marriage. So they're at their lowest point. They're at their lowest point. And very often when I counsel a couple, I will say to the man, and I'll say, you are a good man. I know that you feel very broken now, but I know you want to build your marriage back. Then I'll turn to the woman and I'll say to her, wife, will you forgive your husband? He's trying now to ask you to help him. Will you forgive him? Will you stand with him and we will help you both come round to do this? If the wife totally doesn't want any more to do with it and walks out, actually there's zero chance. Even if the man says, I want to be restored, I want to build my marriage, there has no chance of reconciliation. But if the woman finds enough strength within themselves, which is why in our ladies' groups, our main aim is to build the woman. But if she's well built up, if she's well nurtured, and she's got a group of ladies to cry, 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 cry with. And so when she goes to the husband, she doesn't have to cry so much, my right? And you know, uh, we men, uh, men don't like crying, we men one or Don't know why. Uh. But if we then say, look, we can forgive, and we're going to nurture, we're going to do this together, very often, I see that marriage come round. And that is how our roles of being a woman in dealing with these things are. I also want to mention this other important fact. Wow, I haven't even reached my important subject submission. <laughs> I'm going to come to it in a while. Will you bear with me? Give me extra time. Is that okay? Do you know something? I'm not going to preach these type of messages very much in this pulpit. Uh, I honestly told my husband, it's the last time I'll do a Mother's Day sermon uh, because I have many capable people to do it. But let me just go on. I want to say about one thing about sex. I believe that women are the last bastions of sexual promiscuity, which means this. When a woman can say no to a man, whether in the office 
of all sexual harassment. Or when a woman can say no to a married man when he's, when he's trying to go for her. And when a woman can say no to her boyfriend, actually that man can do nothing. If he tries, he's accused of sexual harassment. You can go to your boss and say, Me Too movement. Or if he rapes, if he attacks you sexually, it's called rape. He goes to jail. That is why a woman's no to a man will bring out manhood in men. But when sex is made easy, this is what happens. When sex becomes easily obtained, the man doesn't have to rise to who he is. What will happen? Well, they're so easy to get. Well, I never asked so they offer me ma. So they will never climb the highest mountain and swim the deepest sea for a woman. They will just look, I don't know what. But when a woman is, wow, she's a treasured possession, men rise to manhood. They will work harder, become a better worker. They will rise, even become cell leaders so they improve their leadership skills. They will learn how to work harder, provide for the family. True manhood is then drawn out. What then is a woman? Let me tell you. Let me give you my definition of a woman. The beauty of a woman lies in who she is. Strong on the inside, yet physically weaker on the outside. It is the rare combination of strength and softness that only she can draw out the true hero in a man. You look at Pastor Chua, he's so Gaia, right? It's all because of me. No, <laughs> I'm just merely showing that really men need women. We are the ones that can draw them out. It is the womanhood that calls out the man in a man. I used to do a lot of weddings, right? And at weddings, I would always say them, the mother grows a son, but it is the wife that grows a man. Because what is it that the wife does that a man is looking for? Do you know for a man, girls, do you know for a man, there are only two people's affirmation that really means a lot to him? First is the father. When the father affirms a son or a daughter, wow, it makes that child really rise up. But the second is the wife. Do you know why Kim comes to every sermon that Pastor Isaac preaches? Her very presence supports him. And he feels so mad. Because now he actually admires his preaching. Do you know when my husband goes home, I'll tell him all the good points that he has preached one. That's why he produced good sermons, law. <laughs> ah. But our ah, women, ah, women, ah, please don't do this to your boys, your sons. Don't feminize him. Don't go and say, son, ah, son, ah. don't play in the sun out so much. Lah. You must have sunblock. No sunblock here, sunblock there, sunblock everywhere. And then when you fall down, ah, please don't play anymore. Otherwise, you'll be like that narrow street boy that went to camp. He had a tiny little cut and he cried, 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 wanted to go home. And when the leader went to him, tried to fight, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Where, where, where? The, 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 the narrow street leader had to take up a microscope. Ah, so, ah, so that is it. Ah. Come on, make your boys a boy, right? Yeah. And then you know what? Another thing, girls, when you go dating, don't make your boyfriend carry your handbag. Ayo, so not men lah. Not men lah, not men. Don't make him carry your handbag, you. No, make him carry the heavy load. That, that, that is one. Heavier but better. Then you grow six packs, ma. Otherwise, how to grow the six packs, right? Yeah. And don't make him do facial. Let him have pimples, then all the girls won't run after him. Now I have to do submission in 10 minutes. Won't be tight me, pray for me. Do you want to hear? Yeah. Okay, because actually I'm supposed to do more in submission than all this other stuff. Ayah, so charm. 
I said, just pray for me. Okay, quickly, submission. Why we have to talk about submission? Let me just go through it very quickly. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at the Bible. But you know the Bible is the best way to learn how to define everything about human beings. Relationships, identity, purpose, everything. Honestly, if you don't read your Bible, then you follow the world, so go crazy. But okay, go back to it. Sorry, uh, if you're listening to my recording, uh, in SIB, we're allowed to talk this kind of language, uh, very, very market language. Uh, okay. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, the body, and of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, as also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. However, each one of you must love his wife, each one of the men must love his wife as he loves himself. Wow. He must love the wife as he loves himself. So how much do you love yourself? That is the extent you love your wife. And as Christ loves the church. And the wife must respect her husband. Now let us give the context. In the time of the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, women had no rights. Women were not even considered human. They were considered a thing. It was like a table. If you don't like the woman, throw her away, like you would throw a table. So to come up with this, something must have radically changed. What radically changed, I believe, was the worth of the women. What happened was that as the women rose up and discovered, wow, we're all equal, male, female, we're equal in the eyes of the Lord, something must have happened. And also, he, Paul wrote this because he knew certain things were the strength of a woman, certain things are the strength of a, wife, of a man. For instance, the strength of a woman is to love the families. It is natural for us women to love our families. It is natural for us to love our husbands unless we have been so betrayed, so hurt. But in a normal circumstance, we love our families and we're willing to sacrifice. So that's why women are not told to love the husbands. But what is it difficult for us women, especially emancipated women, women who have been set free and saw their self-worth, suddenly they became very garang. They began to talk a lot in church, which is why uh, women keep silent. They began to talk a lot in church And they talk so much Until the men don't want to talk Especially in church You know why? Women are so spiritual ma. Do you know? Huh? So he needed to tell them how to behave I'll tell you this One of the most important things Is that when women rise up They go into a cell group And suddenly they talk so much And then they put the husbands in a very difficult spot. Example, let's say the man is out there describing how he went fishing and he caught the fish and it was so big, you know. I mean, he said he didn't catch the fish so big. He just told everybody he caught the fish so big. He went to tell, you know, he's a man, he's a man. He needs to look big, right? He needs to look important. So he tell everybody in the cell group, you know, that they have been fishing. Right? The fish I caught was so big, so big, so big. And then the wife being very, very spiritual, want to tell the truth. I had no lie. The fish wasn't so big, lie. Only so big one. I tell you, uh, your husband will never forgive you until his dying day. Also, won't forgive you because you have just destroyed his manhood. So you have to teach him to submit. Or you know, even worse. I, I heard this. Right? Even worse. you know, here he is. Uh, we're trying to make the men become cell leaders, right? So the men go. So of course, he don't know the Bible as much as your women now. Uh, women, we got so many time to read Bible. As if we got so many time. But never mind. You think we have so much time. 
So we read, read, right? And then uh, in the cell group, no, the wife would then correct everything he said. No, hey, no, 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 this one's wrong, this one's wrong. No, it's uh, well, the wife, the husband want to become a cell leader anymore. Or... I know you don't do that. That is why he had to say, wives, submit to your husbands. What is submission? Submission is not a doormat. It is primarily a military term. The whole word is hupotasso. And incidentally, it's even different from the word obey in the Bible. The word hupotasso, children obey your parents, is a different word from wives submit to your husbands. Hupotasso is actually a military formation of the Roman soldiers as they go to war. When the Roman army goes to war, they form a V-shaped formation, which is called uh, inverted V, right? So they move forward, and the two arms of the Vs are called the hupotaxis. And the undergirding soldiers pushing the army forward is also called the hupotaxis. So the hupotaxis is not an inferior position, a very important position of lending strength. That is primarily the meaning of the word submission. It is providing support, a voluntary act of giving and, and assuming responsibility and carrying the burden together, together. Now, what's the purpose of submission? Submission is made up of two words, submission. Sub is under, mission is purpose. It's all about purpose. What is the purpose when we have a cell group, when we have church? It is to go and take territory. What is the purpose of family life? It's always about raising up a godly home, raising up a home that will bring the children into security to reach their full potential, men and women to play their roles. Remember, different roles, different roles we need to play. It's all about roles and responsibilities. So because of that, submission is not being a doormat. It's about, really, it's about each of uh, the women now taking a role to lend strength. Now, you cannot lend strength unless you see yourself as equal value and equal worth. So the first thing about submission, it is a voluntary act between two people or a group of people who see themselves, yes, I'm of equal value, equal worth, equal responsibility. I have something to add to you. I have something to bring into this relationship. It is not silence. Silence is not submission. Let me give you a very simple understanding. Even in a cell group, there is submission to leadership. Let's say Pastor Sam Kyung is a cell leader of this group of people. And he begins to say, I want your opinion. Let's see how shall we go and take part in game on. And then three people said, yeah, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Da, da, da. Then two people Keep quiet. Then another group of people argue, argue, no, we should not. No, no. In the end, as a leader, they have a responsibility. So when God says men lead your household, they have a responsibility. Their responsibility is towards God. At the end of it, having heard all the opinions, the cell leader has to make a decision. Whether you like it or you don't, we submit to that decision and we close our mouth. But those two people who said nothing, did they submit? Did they submit? So think about it. Did they really submit? My answer is no. They, what, then what did they do? They were just silent. They did not submit. And let's say they went to, they, they, let's say Pastor Sam Kyung, after listening to everyone, they, oh, yo, they, most of them don't want to do game on. Uh, so let's not do game on. But then uh, 
Everybody else went to do game on. And then these two people who never talk, uh, suddenly begin to talk to others about it. No? And they begin to, yeah, this pastor, something, I don't know. Uh, just, just an example, okay? Not about you. I'm just bringing in a reality situation. When we never offer our opinions, we are not submitting. We are just scared in case we don't look good. Submission requires us to be courageous, believing that we have something to offer. When a woman doesn't want to offer an opinion to the husband, the husband is deprived of wisdom. You know, I told you I never liked the verse, a wise woman builds the house. If we want to build God's house, we are the wise ones. So we must offer our wisdom, an angle from the women that, that really must be heard. Only then can the, the leader make a, what's called a, 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 a can make a decision that is helpful. Amen? So it's not silence. It's also not emotional slavery. I once saw a woman where the husband told her that submission is like a slave. When she wipes the, and cleans the household uh, floor, do you know he goes, and I saw it because we were in the house, he would go underneath the carpet to see if she had cleaned it, push away the chairs to see if she had cleaned it. She was an absolute slave to him. When he committed adultery, she couldn't talk about it. She couldn't even come to us for help and support because she had literally oppressed her and brought her into a position of slavery. And I've seen that done very often. Men telling their wives, you must submit to me. It's not submission, it's bullying. Submission is a voluntary act. There must be something, she must, you must believe she has something to offer before she can submit. Neither is submission possible when there is a struggle for power. Submission is a problem when women have low self-worth. Submission is also a problem when men must exert their authority. Submission is also a problem when men are not willing to rise up to lead. Which is why I would say to the girls, the best place to raise the leadership of men is actually in the church. You know why? We all know that women are more spiritual than men. But if a man can rise up to be a leader in the church and you encourage him, actually the man will rise. The man will rise. I feel it's so sad when men want to become a leader and the girls just put him down. You know, long, long ago, and, and, the, and the girls just tell him, no, no, you can't do it. You won't, you won't be able to do it. Like, you see, like, how can you be a leader? You see Pastor Isaac, look at the sermons he preached. You think you can be like Pastor Isaac? Huh? Never do that. You know why? Men hate it when you deflate their ego. The second thing men hate is when you don't build their dreams. It is essential that we must be the biggest admirer of the man. If you don't admire your man, other girls will. It's true. And so we must be the greatest admirers. And I believe, I used to tell a group of girls, they were those high-powered girls, right? And the men were in cell leadership. So I was looking after the young adults in those days. And these women, when they come into a meeting, they talk so much, so the men keep quiet low. So you know what I would say to the girls, can you please keep quiet? And you know what? Don't come to the meeting. You stay at home. I will tell you everything. But my husband don't tell me. I'll tell you. You just stand your men and let the men rise up. It is so important that we let the men rise up to be a leader. So number one, submission is a voluntary act. But number two, what happens if I've given my opinion in such critical decisions and then my husband still goes ahead and makes the wrong choices, especially as it concerns education, household finances, or whatever? What happens if my husband insists on making a wrong decision? My answer is, submission is surrender. 
is really surrendering to God. That is why every woman must learn to pray. Because when the decision-making is wrong, you and I have to intercede. And I honestly believe that God will turn up. We are submitting to God's divine order and purpose. Amen? And God is with us. Even the case of Sarah and Abraham, God was still in charge. I want to jump very quickly where submission is feminine. It's about our femininity. I believe that women can, should not out-talk a man. Now, you know that I talk a lot, right? So, I think it's really important that we know how to make the man rise up to be a man. How can we be feminine in the midst of opinions and differences? I'll give you a very good example. When we go driving and we have to find the way to somebody's house, I honestly believe the Nobel Peace Prize should be given to the inventor of Waze. Waze saved a lot of marriages. Because you know why? When we are driving in a car, I know the unmarried ones don't know what we are talking about. But if you are in a car and you are driving to some place and you are already late and your husband insists that that is the way and that is really the only way and you know that's not the way, you know that that's the other way. I learned one thing. Just keep quiet. Let him find the wrong way. And then you rise up in your wonderful femininity. And this is how you do it. I've learned. It's taken me years. I also used to, ah, yeah, no. Then he would say to me, you want to drive? I drive. <laughs> so I cannot do anything, right? So I learned, keep quiet, pray, and let him find the wrong way. At the end of the wrong way, I would just smile, say, praise the Lord. Now we know that that is not the way to Pastor Sam Kyung's house. Next time, we won't take that way again. You know, I was just listening to this very godly couple, very godly leaders, right? Famous leaders. And the wife said this to me. When she first came into leadership with the husband, she would talk a lot, right? Especially even with dealing... Incidentally, girl leaders, when you're dealing with a lot of guys in the room, you must respect their maleness. Just because you're the female leader doesn't give us a right to lord over them. That's not what it is. We must draw out them out using our femininity. And this is what she said. She would go into that room and just talk, 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 right? And the man cannot tahan her. So the man, oh, this one, oh, no. And then one of the elders came to her and says, you could have said the same thing, but in a feminine way. Wow, I listened to her. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. In the same way, you would win over your husband's and, and accept the authority of your husbands, you win over them by your gentle... Here, here it is. Then even if some of them refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives, your sense of who you are, godly lives not just being godly, huh? you know what God has made you, your sense of self-worth, will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. And then not only that, clothe yourselves with the beauty that comes from within, which is an unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And all women are gentle until we are not. <laughs> but this other part helps, the quiet spirit. The quiet spirit is not no voice. The quiet spirit is the arrested spirit, a spirit that's at peace, a spirit that knows that God has given us self-worth, that even if we make, we, they don't hear us and they make a mistake, God will deal with them. Leadership is all about responsibilities. If they make a mistake, God will deal with them. 
But we do our part. We offer our opinions. We hum out with a gentle and a quiet spirit. Amen? Amen. A woman of great worth. A woman who knows that whatever role she's called to, in the whole role of submission, if you know how to, incidentally, girls, if you're not married, if you already don't respect the guy before you marry him, don't marry him. The chances are you cannot respect him after you're married. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. That's why open two eyes before you get married. Close one eye after you get married. After that, close both eyes. That's how your marriage will succeed. Amen? Amen? I'm going to call my husband up because we're at the end already. And I'll tell you why. The secret of who I am is actually him. And I'll tell you what he does so well. And I pray that one day he'll give a sermon on this. I'll tell you what my husband did so well. How does he empower women? He really, I am who I am because he empowered me. Long, long ago, we used to fight a lot. I want to fight for my rights. Then he said, you want to fight so much, uh, nothing will change, you know. But he empowered me. And so I think that it'd be wonderful if one day he could share on what empowering is and what it is not. Very powerful sermon. I was thinking actually, about it. Actually, I did uh, uh, something for, I think for marriage ministry and what a woman should not say to a man. What a woman should not do to a man and uh, you know, one of these days on maybe on Father's Day, I'll say, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Whoa. I don't know. But, but uh, I want to close because time is running out. Can we all stand? Can, we, can I have the worship team up? I, I know uh, took so much time. we may not want to give the altar call. Yeah. But I want to do two things. First of all, it's a request. Second thing, it's a prayer. First thing. On behalf of the men on Mother's Day today, can I humbly ask that women you forgive us because after hearing things like that there is no condemnation understand no condemnation only healing and restoration but in order for that to take place I want on behalf of the men will you forgive us Wives, forgive your husband. Children, forgive. Forgive. Because there are many things we have done wrong, understand? Many things. I wish I, I go back, I look back, I wish I could do it better. But what to do? We don't know, ma. We have never gone this way before, right? So, on behalf of the men, wish we knew what to do. We are so busy working to, to support the family, to provide for the family. And we left many things to you, women, and you've done well. You've raised up the children. You've provided for the home. Today, we want to say thank you. It is the second thing I want you to do. If you are here with your wife, I want you to put your hands around her. a prayer right now 
If you are here as a family with your mom, children, can you thank the Lord for your mother? And for those of you who are here without your mother, while they are praying, I want you to remember your mom. You do that. Will you remember your mom? Will you remember your wife if you are here without your wife, one reason or another? I want you to. In other words, everybody is praying, right? Everybody is praying, ma. So if you have here with your mom or your wife, you pray and thank the Lord for her. Thank the Lord visibly, so that she hear you say it. And if you are here without your wife or without your mom, while everybody is praying, you thank the Lord for your mother. Will you do that? So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do that. Do that, please. Do that, every one of you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for your wife. Thank the Lord for your mother, who have done so much on this Mother's Day. To make good what is deficient while you were not there, and all the mistakes that we have made, they have been so forgiving. They have made us look good, long, huh? They have the days and the hours when you were not there. They took care of the children. They took care of the home. Amen. They made sure that it was always food prepared for you on the table. Thank the Lord for your wife. Thank the Lord for your mom. Amen. Do that, church. Just do it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Final thing I want to do before I close, I want to pray that God will heal every wound, every hurt that has been made. I want to pray that today there will be healing. Today there will be restoration of every family, whether here or at home. You're listening. You thank God for your wife. Understand? You thank God for your family, and let's pray. That let bygones be bygones. Let's start again. Do we do that? None of us are perfect. No family is perfect. We only have a perfect God. Amen. Only a perfect God. And so let's all look to the Lord. Shall we do that? Let's pray. As we close, can we all stretch our hands to the Lord? Every one of you, let's stretch our hands to the Lord as we close. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask Pastor Lee Chu to close in prayer in a short while. Father, in Jesus' name. I want to pray for every family, every family represented here today. There will be laughter, there will be joy, there will be love once again. Love will flow through the home once again. Will saturate the home. That there will be forgiveness. There will be forgiveness. There will be no unforgiveness because you are love. 
you are love and you want every family to be well so in the name of Jesus Christ anything that comes in between husband and wife will be annulled neutralized nullified there will only be joy and what and whom God has joined together let nothing and no one put asunder let there be restoration again let there be laughter again let there be love again let there be forgiveness again so that on this mother's day 2023 restoration will come forth and the whatever the locusts have eaten god you will restore back again you will restore back again children fathers mothers families whatever it is it begins with the home hallelujah thank you jesus we bless you for every family here today that you will make good what is deficient what is deficit you will be gain put gain back again lord it will be a plus not a minus not a minus no it will be plus 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 because god is in the house god is in your house amen thank you jesus i'm going to ask father lead you to close now father lord god it is you that have made us and truly we are wonderfully fearfully made made in the most intricate manner our beloved heavenly father may the truth of who we are go so deeply within us that we will never, never have to measure our worth to useless things, worthless ways, Lord God. But we will begin to realize, every one of us, men and women, that we are made in the image of God. Nothing could change that. And not only that, that we are worthy of Christ coming for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that, O oh Lord God, because of this truth, let every family now be able each man and women to play their roles and father we ask indeed for your wisdom for your healing for your restoration to areas oh lord god that we need guidance we need restoration but we thank you lord god we lack nothing the lord is our shepherd we lack nothing we do not lack wisdom we do not lack strength we do not lack guidance we do not lack humility even we lack nothing and so lord even as we separate ourselves now as we go home oh lord god may this be a wonderful day and a wonderful week may we be able to share to everyone that human beings are so precious to god so worthy in the eyes of god that wherever we go we'll share this good news of the gospel that human beings are worthy to god and so separate us with the love of god our father the graciousness of our lord jesus christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and all God's people say Amen Have a wonderful Mother's Day God bless you